Welcome, everybody. This is Working Class Heroes Radio. Uh, my name is Julian Guerrero. Thanks for being with us here tonight. Today's show is not going to be our typical show or show format. Uh, like we said last time, we are off WBAI. So we thought we'd grab a number of our members here in the Working Class Heroes Collective to have a conversation, just sort of reflecting on our almost one year time spent on WBAI Community Radio. I'm here with Khadija. Hey, everyone. Excited to be here. As well as Leah. Hey, y'all. You know, there's a lot for us to discuss, a lot for us to sort of, you know, figure out and 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 share with our listeners. And as always, uh, featuring, you know, city background noise so that people can hear the various car sounds passing by. Or fire car. hydrants, not fire hydrants, fire, fire hydrants. engines, fire engines, <laughs> yeah. ambulance sirens, all the New York City sounds. Oh, all of them. Random screaming pedestrians. Yeah, those kinds of things. Um, just to give uh, a quick, actually, no, I'm not even jumping into the quick summary just yet. I think before, you know, giving that summary to our listeners, I think it'd be great if, you know, if Khadija and Leah can, if, if y'all can speak about some of your favorite episodes, favorite moments uh, that we had in our one year series, Coronavirus and Class Struggle. We'd love to hear what y'all think. Boy, that's such a that's such a big question because you know in reviewing and listening over some of our, our episodes, I you know I'm, I'm not just saying this. I am a biased listener, but I, I really love so many of the episodes we've done so far. And just going back, um, I I'll add. So um, I'm in D.C. Um, I'm the only person <laughs> who's not in New York City. I'm in Washington D.C. on occupied Piscataway land. Um, and I've been uh, with Working Class Heroes Radio for, I think, about six months now as I, as I was looking back. And so I was looking back to the first uh, couple episodes that I've worked on. One of my favorites uh, was the one that we uh, did with, entitled We Won't Die for the DOE or uh, Department of Education, um, which had uh, I, I was in discussion with Mel on the school reopenings. Um, and we had our guests, Marilena Marchetti. Um, and a paraprofessional, Trina Davis, um, both educators interviewed by Danny on our show. Um, and just, I, I remember, cause you know, now during COVID we do our shows on Zoom and, you know, after our discussion, I, I remember just like, you know, I'm sitting there on mute listening to the discussion and that was uh, one of the most powerful discussions we'd had. And I was just like, I, actually I was in tears. It, it was really uh, incredible. And I think, um, just the fact that they came on our show to advocate for their students and for their community safety. Um, it was just really incredible and, and moving, especially at a time when so many people were clamoring uh, for, for the schools to reopen, which, which you know, would have an end to threaten so many lives. Um, and, and just, you could see the, the love that they had for their communities. And, and that was just amazing. Um, and, on, and I'll add uh, some more shows that, that I've loved working on or that are that I've loved listening to shortly. But yeah, that's just one of them. I, I don't know if you have any any of yours, uh, Leah. Yeah, no, definitely. There's so many, um, especially, you know, because we started recording 
um, at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Which was almost, it's already been a year. Um, April 23rd is when we actually had our first episode and I worked on that episode, uh, Labor Woes at Trader Joe's, right? And it was, it was, you know, it was a wild ride because you know, it was the first time that um, I've actually worked on something like this. You know, we had a podcast format, um, but you know, it was just wild to hear your, hear your voice on the radio and to like tell all your friends and your family um, and what I really loved about that episode is because that was, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic. And so there was a lot of uncertainty, especially when it came to workers, like essential workers. And in that episode, I interviewed a grocery store worker and like spoke to him about some of the conditions that he faced as a essential worker. Right. And that's something that I really love about our show is that we're getting people's stories, um, you know, like everyday, like working class heroes and um, really giving them a platform and amplifying their voices, right? Um, and some of my other favorite episodes um, definitely was the time that I was able to interview Chris Smalls, uh, the Amazon worker who was fired for organizing because uh, Amazon was not providing uh, PPE and like they weren't practicing social distancing and all those things. And it was just such, it was so inspiring to speak with him about you know the, the fight that he continues today, right? And I know um, we recently heard um, just in terms of timing about like the, the Amazon unionization drive in Alabama and how like that wasn't, you know, for now successful, but definitely there is a push for that. So I just think it was really great um, to speak with him. And, you know, definitely um, there's other episodes that I really think that have been really great, especially um, really highlighting the work that our own members have been doing especially around um, the hunger strikes and detention centers. And, um, you know, just um, also the episode we had on the unhoused. And so, yeah, so I, there's just been so much and you can definitely tell as you look through our SoundCloud, like our tracks and everything, like how much we've like, one, um, have developed so much because we started it as like a 30 minute show. And now we actually, where we had an hour. And so we were able to cover that much more. Yeah, and then definitely agree. I think, especially with, with that time and with our format, um, you know, and, and just like think about all the guests that we've had. I I'm reminded of the our title, you know, the the show's name for every single episode, um, because you know we we just talked to one individual in different industries, a couple individuals in a couple different industries, um, but it's just so amazing to see the power that they bring in their lives and and the fact that they choose to spend uh, you know their Saturday evening speaking with us, uh, a community radio show is is just incredible. So I I just you know every time I just feel so lucky to be able to sit and listen to some of these conversations. Um, yeah, and just like to add on that too, like I know for me personally, it was made the world of difference for me to be involved in a project like this during the pandemic, especially in the beginning, right, where we, like I had mentioned, there was like no information. And it was like, we're getting these people's stories out there to show like, you know, what's, what's happening. But also, you know, we recorded um, an episode at the height of the Black Lives Matter uprising in the summer. And we, you know, a number of us went to City Hall in New York City, and there was an occupation there. And that was super inspiring to be there on the ground and covering that. Um, and I know for that, one of the episodes in particular, I actually uh, reported live from, from Occupy City Hall. Um, and so like that was really inspiring and it just also kept me really motivated in a time that was very despairing and still is in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Absolutely. Um, just 
we, we've all dealt with the pandemic in different ways. And yeah, absolutely. For, for me, you know, when I joined months ago, um, I, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, like the uprising was still going on. And we have all, all these different movements, um, you know, down here in DC. And as someone who is high risk for COVID, I, I wasn't participating in the movements and contributing to movements on the ground um, in, in ways that, that I have been uh, in, in most times in my life. So, so it was really kind of an isolating moment for me. And I think um, just personally for me, the show has, has given me kind of direction and, and the ability to contribute in a way that, I'm, that I've been really proud of. I think one of my favorite episodes um is who is looting in the bronx it was like an episode that we worked on and got a few folks from take back the bronx uh to speak about you know because there's there was this like looting uh that happened uh, in the bronx different parts of the outer boroughs really um and the city went kind of crazy just trying to demonize and put in the curfew and that's when the police started to act i mean the police have always been acting rough with people here um but especially around once that those things happen and sort of like the police had like a free hand to do whatever they wanted. And so being able for us to talk about those issues and, and I, I don't remember the callers being all that friendly <laughs> on that episode, but just certainly giving, being that one of the lone or few voices in that moment, pushing against the grain where the rest of the city wanted to demonize the rest of the, the, the mainstream media and the press and civil leaders all wanted to sort of demonize and crack down on things and push back against the, Black Lives Matter uprising, we were able to, 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 you know, to give that platform and, and it's modest and whatnot, but still it felt good that whenever we were doing a show that was tapping into or not tapping into as much as like just being privileged to report and to provide a platform to these movements that are happening across the city from the deliveristas to, as folks said, you know, the, the struggle in Bergen and Hudson it's not even in New York City, that's actually New Jersey. But, you know, so many people, so many New Yorkers are actually trapped in those detention centers and and getting calls from people in detention centers. Uh, I'll say personally, you know, just to be a little partial myself, one of my favorite episodes uh, or a couple episodes has been our story on Prakash Churman uh, and his fight to, to free himself from, you know, a really problematic charge and problematic uh, effort by the Queens district attorney to, to, to jail him um, almost, you know, for his entire life. Uh, and so that was a real pleasure to, to report on that story and to see how it's gone and where it's gone. And, you know, currently Prakash is out on bail, which is not something that we could have imagined prior to, you know, him calling us and us having him on the show. Um, so it's really exciting to see where all that's going. And it's, it's opened up many opportunities for him as well as for us. You know, we were able to put out an article on the indie uh, and that was a great, a great thing, but. Yeah, um, so I just want to interject there real quick because I think another thing that um, I found so important about the stuff that we do, like, or just like grassroots reporting is that, um, you know, go back a little bit what um, Julian had mentioned the Bronx, right? When all this looting was happening, I actually lived in the Bronx at that time. And one of the things I kept seeing is like misinformation on Twitter, um, on um, on like the news, them saying like Fordham Road was completely decimated and like, you know, that the library had been burned down and like all this outrageous like stuff. And then I, as a Bronx resident, like would walk down a Fordham Road and like there was like some damage, but like the library wasn't on fire, you know, and it was like all this misinformation. 
And I think that's why, you know, grassroots uh, community reporting and journalism is so important because it's also just like not people coming from outside communities, like just like, you know, traditional news stations coming in reporting and then leaving. Um, it's like people who are based there and you can tell us and you can tell the audience, like, this is what's up. You know, we know our community. And I, that's why I also really, I did also really enjoy that um, interview with Take Back the Bronx because they actually, the way they framed it as well, I think was very, um, was very thoughtful, thought provoking, and it really challenged a lot of the narrative that was in mainstream media. to uh you know julian brought up the uh episodes on prakash tour month so uh, i i definitely encourage folks to listen to those episodes uh can be found on soundcloud if you haven't um but yeah just the fact that um this is an individual who calls in advocating on behalf of himself to get his story out there and that we we've been able to really follow him or rather julian really you know put in the work and all the labor to follow him in his journey um, you know, like from when he was inside Rikers and, and now he's out on bail, which is, which is just incredible. But I, I think, you know, one of the reasons why stories like that are so important is because otherwise, right, these are the stories that don't get covered. And for, for everyone, you know, how, how many Prakash Churamans are there, right? Like his, his is just one story and, and there's, there's a whole system behind what he experienced. Um, which includes, um, you know, I, again, <laughs> encourage you to listen to the episode, but it includes, you know, just, just the fact that he didn't have a fair trial for 15 years and just the intimidation tactics on the part of uh, the police. So yeah, again, something so many young people, especially uh, black and brown folks experience um, in New York City and in so many cities. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that story with Prakash was not our typical radio story because, you know, when you're trapped uh, on a torture chamber island called Rikers here in New York City, uh, your phone time is very controlled. So being able to get him uh, to be live on our show, because we, you know, we, we, we are live on Saturdays at 6 p.m. To get him to be live on our show is just really impossible. So it we had to do a whole bunch of interviews prior and put them together and splice it up and think through how we're going to do it and reach out to other folks and see if we can get interviews with other people who were part of his team and supporting him. And just FYI, he's out on bail, but obviously he still is facing a charge of, you know, and so, you know, a lot of solidarity to Prakash and to his team. Um, and I hope they're able to beat, you know, the, the charges and, Queens, I very highly doubt that Melinda Katz is listening to this podcast. I know that I know Judge Holder was listening in, uh, which is the judge overseeing his case and, and actually mentioned a couple of times how 
you know, there's all this slander against him or whatnot. I don't know. He, he was hurt about it and not like I care, oh, but still, so <laughs> exactly. This but person who has no power over anyone's life is bothered, right? <laughs> absolutely. And just being able to trace and learn as much as we did about, you know, just the criminal justice system and how it works and how problematic it is. I think it's, it's been a learning lesson for, for all of us. And, you know, I think, I think it'd be good for just to, just to mention a little bit, a summary of working class heroes for our listeners who aren't all that familiar. Maybe you picked it up after, you know, we were on radio. Um, but, you know, the, the project, the working class heroes project really started in 2018 as a podcast. Um, it was more so like a narrative reporting kind of style. And we spent like the first two years reporting on the struggles of New York City uh, taxi drivers. Um, there's been a lot of disruption to those taxi drivers and they've really have been hit with crisis after crisis after crisis from 2014 to this day. You know, um, it's just been almost a decade of, of just disruption, crisis and, and very little help by the, by the city or the state. To, to, to relieve them of, of, of some of the things that were obviously out of their control. But so we, re, we reported on that story. It's very, you know, it took us two years, a lot of interviews, very narrative reporting. It's not like your radio show. Um, and after a couple of years of doing those shows, we were contacted by the folks at the Red Wave Media Collective, which had just recently uh, been elected to the WBAI uh, local station board. And we're fighting to get like more, local sort of news uh, collectives and shows onto their, onto the historic 99.5 WBAI, uh, you know, radio uh, channel here in New York City. It's community radio, it's not like NPR or whatnot, but we, you know, after applying uh, and going back and forth with the WBAI program director, um, we were able to get on, like uh, Leah said, on April 23rd of last year you know, about a month into the pandemic. Um, and, and yeah, that's, we've been on that entire year. And up until recently, you know, our last show was, I believe, March, March 20th. And we've been taking a break. And this is what this conversation is about. But I think it'd be good just for our listeners to have a sense about the project and how it started and where we've been. Um, given that we've gone through so much, I'm, I'm curious what you know, what one year being on the radio has been like for, for you, Leah, for you, Khadija. I, I know Khadija's only been with us for not the entire year, but I think half a year is still a good chunk of time to, to get a sense of the project. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, definitely. It's, um, it's just really funny because when we first started recording for the radio show, none of the um, episodes were live at the time. So it was all pre-recorded. So that experience was very different for me personally, having started like um, the first couple of episodes that I did were pre-recorded, right? And it was something that we definitely wanted more engagement with the audience, with listeners. And we wanted to have a more like a dynamic conversation because sometimes I know when I would do interviews that were pre-recorded, I'd be like, okay, if we do an hour interview, I could always edit things down, right? Um, but being live on air or be, knowing that you only have a certain amount of time to get certain, you know, things you want to touch upon, like points or anything that the, and the person being interviewed wants to raise really kind of has, took a, like a very different approach. Um, and that's something I definitely learned 
Um, I definitely was scared, like really nervous going on live because it's like, what if I say something terrible? Like, what if I say something wrong or, you know, just like mess up or just embarrass myself? Or, but, you know, I think it definitely was a learning experience. I know the first show that I went uh, live, Danny, who's also a member of our collective, was with me doing the interview for Chris Smalls. And that was super chill and like really laid back. And so overall, like that's something that's been really, really great, uh, just because I also think our conversations have been more dynamic that way. We have taken callers, you know, um, there have people who called in, like one Prakash called in, right? And then also, you know, we've had callers of Julian mentioned calling from Bergen who just wanted to get on air because they listened to our show and they know we cover issues that they're facing from the inside. So I also think that's really that's really dope, right? When we actually have people calling in to really put their story out there in ways that they may otherwise not be able to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, um, yeah, especially that last point on, on folks, uh, you know, at Bergen County or in, in, you know, various incarcerated or detained folks listening to our show, it, I, I think it further solidifies, um, you know, our vision and commitment to uh, putting out, out a show that speaks to working class people and those uh, most impacted by oppressive state systems. Um, we're, we're not, you know, we're not going, we're not putting out shows to explain the working class to ruling class people. We are on the show to highlight the stories of working class people and provide a platform for them, for other working class people uh, to empower and, and create connections to further build our communities. Um, and, and that's what I think of when, you know, that, that's what I'm reminded of when I think about a lot of our listeners. The last year of being on radio, I mean, it's just a totally wild experience, right? Because having never been on radio, and I agree with Leah, the jitters and the, and the fear that you're going to say something wrong. And, you know, as long as you're not saying one of the seven, you know, words of that of profanity or whatever it is that George Carlin is known for. Um, I think there was just so much, so much to, to take from this. Uh, I, I think one of the craziest things has been as you go through the process sort of understanding that radio really is about having people call in and you having a relationship and a, and a sort of back and forth with our listeners and and that's something that you know we never got from our show before and to me that was super exciting i, I don't think wbai despite it being a historic lefty community radio uh channel you know despite that history it's it, its audience is not the sort of like young, you know, BIPOC, radical leaning. Um, it tends to be a little bit on the older side. And I think it's, it was just wild to, to interact with them and to um, have these conversations. And, and I think sometimes we got some really great callers. Uh, I think most of the time we got some pretty great callers. And, and I was always super thankful. Um, and I've always been thinking, and I think many of our team members have been thinking about like how to you know, how to how to lean on that aspect of the radio show, how to have more of that and be more organic. And I think the moments, as Khadija mentioned, um, you know, when we were getting callers from Bergen County, I think that was a bit, like to me, that was amazing. Like just being able to be a part of that that movement and and engage with it and 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 yeah, it was really just incredible. I think radio is a wild thing. I think people say radio is like 
on its way out. I, I don't know if you can make that argument. It certainly is a platform that is probably more listened to than unfortunately most left-wing media. Um, and so there's still a, a lot of ways that, you know, progressive socialists, uh, dare I say communist media um, should be looking into that and thinking about how to, you know, how to take advantage of that, of that platform and how to really not, not just take advantage of it for the audience that exists on radio, but actually rebuild it as, as a place for the left and for working class people to have these conversations and for independent media to, to sort of continue, you know, playing that role, playing that role in those social movements and local politics and of educating and informing um, and, and being a place for working people to, to come and speak. So radio, uh, you know, don't, don't, what's the word? Don't scratch it out. Just don't yet, sleep you know? on it. Don't, don't sleep, sleep on, on it. it. Don't sleep on it. <laughs> don't sleep on it. I actually had to. Um, I know some of our members actually had to go out and buy a radio because we didn't own a radio. Um, you know, but you know, we you could also stream it live online. So I found that out. radio for for me has been um one it like it's it's been really rigorous and exciting i, I think um ex, it's exposed me to um sets of people peoples and struggles that i wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise and especially i kind of love um so again i'm i'm, I'm in dc i'm not in new york city um i'm actually originally i, I grew up in syracuse new york so most of my life i, I spent um i was born and raised in syracuse new york but uh, I, I still kind of consider myself, I, I still feel like a little bit of an outsider in DC. I'm, I've been involved in movements here. I, I've been here for about 10 years, but I, I love the fact that being on the show gives me uh, an intimate look at, at, you know, at working class New York and I'm able to interact uh, with them. Um, so, so I've been loving that. I think, um, yeah, just to again, go back to the question of radio. Yeah, it, it is definitely intimidating. It's not something that I ever on the outset was like, I, I want to be on a radio show. <laughs> I, I did not grow up saying that. I mean, I, I, I'm older than a few folks here, but I did not grow up saying I need to be a radio star. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's so many podcasts out there. And of course, we put our, our show on podcast platforms as well. But um, you know, as people on the left, people who, who want to organize to strengthen the working class, podcasts are great for educating, which is important and agitating, which is important, but it doesn't have that, it doesn't really truly have a community building aspect in the way that that radio does, uh, where you can in, in real time have, have a little bit of a back and forth and interactive 
um, aspect to it. Um, and and I, yeah, I just think that's amazing. I am thankful to WBAI for, for having us um, and hopefully continuing to have us because um, I think yeah, we have and, so much more. I think we have so much more to share and add that, that I'm excited about. Um, yeah, I think also just the audience, right? I feel like um, podcast audiences, at least, you know, some of the um, stuff that Julian was saying a little bit earlier has really like kind of made us kind of think through a little bit more, right? Because we never know where listeners are, right? In terms of radio. Um, and so it's like being able to kind of go to the basics of like an issue or a struggle, which I also think has been really great to have to actually interview people who have been doing that work or who have come to that work through their own lived experiences. And you can definitely tell too, right? Like, especially um, some of the interviews, uh, you know, in terms of the, um, the, d- the delivery worker, right? He was this young guy, um, his name is escaping me at the moment, but like, you can definitely tell this, this was his first time being involved in something like this. And then even um, interviewing Chris Smalls, like now he's like, you know, when you speak to him, he sounds like a professional or, you know, he sounds like he's been in the struggle for like years and years, but he actually got mo- like really in- like um, organized at his workplace, right? As a worker. And now he's like imparted all these other struggles and going, he actually flew down to, um, um, Alabama for the um, union drive down there and to show solidarity. So I just think that's really inspiring when, when talking to people and being able to share their stories and their own words too, because I also think that's really important. So I think, yeah, absolutely second to everything that everyone has um, sort of brought up and mentioned. There's really so much here to sort of break down and look into, especially as like a left-wing you know, perspective or look into radio, no one really writes about this or talks about it. And no one, I think, I think besides the Red Wave Collective and members in the Democratic Socialists of America here, um, I think, you know, that's the most, uh, maybe the left has looked at the, the question of radio in a more systematic way. And I think, you know, there probably needs to be a lot more conversations about that um, related to here. Um, you know, I think one I mean, there's, like I said, a year, right? So I wonder what folks think uh, has been one of the things you've learned uh, from this entire experience. I mean, yeah, what I think about what I've learned through the show, um, first of all, I I really truly feel like I I did learn from each episode, but I'm thinking back specifically to our episode we did on um, reclaiming stolen land in New York, um, in which we were lucky enough to, to have uh, members of the Red Nation organization, which is a, um, an indigenous feminist uh, socialist organization. Um, it, so we had folks, folks from, from that collective as well as a member of the Shinnecock Nation um, who, who were you know, kind, kind of uh, struggling uh, for their rights in in uh, the Hamptons in in a place where they're they're kind of uh, neighbors with some of the some of the one percent of the one percent right um, and I learned so much uh, in in that episode not just about um, their struggle but but about organizing and and uh, and just the resilience of indigenous peoples on this land as they struggle for their sovereignty. And that was just really, really moving that I feel like in so many ways that I wouldn't have been exposed in that way to these struggles, um, you know, if, if I hadn't, if I wasn't on the show. And I think just 
what I've learned just beyond uh, movements is also just practical skills um, around, you know, put it, what it, what it takes to put out a show. And I, I don't, I think a lot of folks don't know just how much work goes into putting out an episode and all the credit, you know, a lot of the credit goes to, um, you know, Lupita, Julian, et cetera, folks who really uh, have been doing this from the beginning and started the show from the beginning. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, all, all, everyone in the collective is self-taught. I, you know, I think Julian, you've tried to teach me multiple times to do multiple things. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but um, yeah, you know, I've, I've learned so much and I'm, and I'm excited. Um, it's been a wild ride, I think, in a lot of ways, because one, as a collective, I felt like we've grown so much in terms of developing our own skills, our practical skills, uh, and also teaching each other new things. And I've really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed being able to consistently work, work with my comrades and friends around and like really thinking through concepts and ideas. And like Khadija was saying, there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes in terms of editing um, and graphics and all of that. And for all those things that you don't really think about. And I've really enjoyed working with folks in our collective and so that's something that I've definitely feels like a bit of highlight. For me, I, I think a lot of things I've picked up weren't necessarily even things that I was intentionally going out of my way to learn, right? Like it, you know, because again, the show has been happening quite for most of the time under COVID, we've been meeting in Zoom, right? So the host working on the episode for, um, we, we would be on Zoom together with our guests. Uh, and for a lot of the episodes, I, um, I would be hosting and doing the extended discussion, but I would have the opportunity to sit and listen to a lot of these interviews and just watching, you know, Danny, Lupita, Leah, and Julian interviewing has, has been just really eye-opening for me. And especially I'll add, I don't know if I, I don't think I shared this with anyone on the show, but when I was young, uh, when I was in high school and grade school, the one, like the main thing I did was I worked on our school paper and it was an award-winning paper. And that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to grow up and be a journalist. And then, you know, I got to college and I was confused and, you know, wrote a couple of things here and there and kind of got away from that. So um, being on the show has kind of sparked that interest in me again and kind of given me that push and, and uh, like this platform to, relearn and and sharpen my skills in this area so yeah I I, I sound incredibly bi biased because I feel like for all these answers I'm like oh my god this is so great I love being on the show but that's also the truth <laughs> I, I've learned so many things and, and I echo what other folks have said there's so much from the practical to this to the to the relationships that we developed to the just know-how of how to be on radio or just even how radio works like all those things uh has been an incredible experience just to just to get all that in during this you know this last year when so many people lost so much um and i think you know one thing i've really learned about this entire experience is just how difficult it is to maintain like an independent media collective that you know is not getting corporate sponsors is not you know we're not getting money from anywhere um, really, and a lot of this is just our volunteer time and dedication. A lot of it is our, our you know, our, our passion. You know, we're organizers, we're socialists, uh, we're people who are part of the left and want to see 
you know, a society that is just and expecting that, you know, independent media is going to get the opportunity or the platform or the funds or the or the capacity to do that in a, in a much more easier and free way. That's unfortunately just not what's happening. Need a revolution for restitution. After that, we can talk reparations. The people, the government could never see a covenant. All sinking on the same mothership I'm from. Whether citizens loot in the police, give police permission to shoot. This is the truth. How much does America cost? How Columbus discover a land that really never was lost? And how we pledge into a flag that never was ours? Could use a laugh. Where's Kevin Hart? My God. So it's just been such a, it's been such an effort to, to have a weekly show, um, to produce content on a weekly basis while everyone's also working, you know, their full-time job or their nine to five. And I think, you know, that's been a lot of the reason I think why we're even taking this break. Right. And, and I think if we can talk a little bit more about like, you know, you know, to our listeners who really have no idea of like the behind the scenes type of stuff, like wh what are the reasons for, for, for this break? You know, the, there are reasons overall, I'll, I'll say, <laughs> you know, we all talked about it. I can talk about my own personal reasons for, for why I, I you know, I'm, I'm glad that there's a break and I'm glad that, that we'll continue after, after the break. But, um, you know, this is community radio. We all work full time, <laughs> nine to five, sometimes more. Um, you know, we have a, a couple of folks. Uh, I, I know Lee is a student and it's, it's, it's a lot, right? Like, and I think people don't realize not just uh, how much work goes into each episode production wise, but we really try to think of what stories we're trying to highlight um, and, and always trying to think of um, you know what what stories in particular are are deemed invisible in society and and i think you know I, it's not so much that it's it's stressful but it's it's something that like i i think about and and you know when you're putting out a show uh week after week and trying to do all these technical tasks and and put it all together as well as make sure making sure that that we're um you know, putting out the vision that that we we feel like uh, is is missing in in media today, and and that that does take a lot of thought, and I, and I think uh, we just felt like we needed to take a step back 
sort of reassess, see how we can improve and, and, and better meet and interact with our listeners in a way that's meaningful. Following up on what Kadisha said about uh, in terms of reassessing, I think that's something that we do pretty well. Uh, as you can tell, like especially from our earlier episodes, we definitely have shifted things around, trying to find figure out what works best. And one of the things I wanted to say is like during this break, that, that's in quotation marks. You can't really tell because you know it's audio, it's radio. Um, we are actually working on other projects and really kind of thinking through the overall vision and kind of just like reassessing, like Kadisha was saying, but also kind of thinking like, what can we be, like, how can we bring new folks into the fold who, who, you know, have, are really supportive of the stuff that we've been doing. That's something that I've also been really excited to see that people hear what we're doing and they support it. And um, you have people who are also on the ground who are also covering the same sort of like movements that are happening. And so I just think it's a really good time for us to be able to take to be able to kind of think through a little bit more about, you know, where do we see ourselves in the next six months to a year? Um, you know, I some of the things that I am really interested in overall helping to kind of think through as a collective is one of just like how to do educational workshops on how do you how do you produce your own media, right? Your own grassroots community media and in, in a time where it's so hard to get those kind of perspectives out there. And so, you know, we spoke about it as a collective. I think it's just like a capacity issue. Like one of the visions that we really have is to be able to teach people how to like, one, um, just just cover, do news coverage, right? And then also um, in terms of writing, um, that's something I, one of the things that I've really developed overall from, from um, the show is actually taking what's on the air to actually put it, to give it context in terms of writing. And so that's something that I've been really passionate about and look forward to continuing. Definitely, you know, and I think, you know, what you, what you just uh, mentioned, Lee, I think reminds me that, uh, you know, I think part of the reason for the break as well is when you're, when you're working on a weekly show, it's just so hard to think about the bigger picture. Like, where is this project going? Who is a part of this project? Who are we trying to bring in to be a part of the project? Um, you know, how can we collaborate with left-wing media? And I think we've done that in some ways. Many of our uh, interviews or many of our, uh, you know, members of the collective here who have done interviews and couldn't fit it into the show, um, you know, we went to other places and, and put it out. Like I said before, we released, you know, the, a written article on Prakash's story over the independent. Um, uh, we've done that with other stories, like I've released, um, uh, I did a long interview with Manny Partija in uh, this episode early on in the show um, that we did on um, the like uh, tenant organizing in the South Bronx, uh, whatever we couldn't put in the show. And at, at the time, the show was just a half hour long. So, you know, only, I think we recorded one hour interview uh, and that was pre-recorded. And only 15 minutes of it, or probably even less, made it into the show. And the rest of it, I transcribed. And we, we published it through Punto Rojo magazine, which is a radical Latinx um, magazine that folks should check out, puntorojomag.com, or .org, forgive me. Um, and, and yeah, there is just, I think the break is giving us opportunity to 
think about that landscape, how we're building, how we're trying to move forward. Um, and, and, and totally right, the break is not even a break, like insofar as that we're not producing anything. I think many members of our team are still working on stories, are still, uh, you know, out there interviewing folks and, and trying to uh, cover protests. And, and for all that, folks can definitely check out our, our social media platforms, Working Class Heroes Radio and Instagram. Um, and, and you'll find we'll, we'll be releasing stuff there for, for the time being. It, the break is really much more so from like the weekly radio pace, just so that we can, again, sit and have really good and deep conversations about like what the bigger picture is, um, as well as really just to integrate new members. I mean, we've, we've, we launched the project with about 10 people. The pandemic took away a few folks because, you know, of, of you know, immediate concerns and, and priorities that people had and rightfully so completely respect folks for that. We've, we've shrunk at a certain point. We've gotten a little bigger. Khadija came on as part of that effort to bring in more solid BIPOC folks who can be a part of this show and help, you know, propel it. You know, anyone who's, you know, listening right now, if you're interested in being a part of this collect, feel free to reach out to us uh, through our website, through our social media, you know, DM us, doesn't matter. We are looking for people who want to be a part of this project and can help us sustain it for the long, long run, because that's that's really what we're interested in here as, as this sort of break from the radio is to, you know, how can we make this a sustainable project that's going to be able to, to endure? Um, and I think that's such an important thing for, you know, left media, left institutions, left movements and groups. Like, how can we endure and and keep going? Uh, because this is a it's a long term fight. So, I think this is a great segue actually into what the future holds for working class heroes in this project. Yeah, I think um, you know when I think about this question, I you know I'm going to answer it from a more personal perspective, but. Um, I, I want to look, but I, I think everyone <laughs> share, shares this vision of wanting to look specifically at highlighting um, the struggles of impacted communities that are most invisibilized um, and often uh, it's intentional, right? So I think about the struggles uh, for climate justice, justice and against pipelines and for indigenous sovereignty. So these are some of the most powerful movements right now that have taken place in such a long time and they've steadily been growing. Um, for example, just uh, here in DC a few weeks ago, we had about 80 indigenous youth come out um, from frontline fights across the across the country. Um, uh, LOL. I, I'm just laughing across the country on, you know, Turtle Island occupied land here. Um, and it, yeah, it, it was incredibly powerful. And I, and I think these are the stories that we're trying to highlight and bring to, to the masses in different parts of uh, the working class that might not be familiar with these struggles. Um, and you know, going along with that, continuing to highlight the struggles of those in detention and incarceration. Again, I think just as, an, as a population, um, there is purposeful invisibilizing of them and separating uh, them from mainstream consciousness, right? We're, we're so removed from our community members who are in prisons, who are in detention centers. Um, and, I, and I think one example, like, you know, our episodes on Burkin County, et cetera, and then our most recent episode um, on Guantanamo, where I had uh, a former uh, Guantanamo detainee, we had him on the show and interviewed him along with uh, 
someone who works specifically on that area advocating for um, those at Guantanamo. Like these are the stories that we're, that we're trying to highlight. And I, and I think we just wanna continue doing that and continuing to uh, bring those stories to the fore. But yeah, just, just thinking also about what else I you know, wanna see on the show. Um, I'd like to also go back and take a look at some, you know, maybe as, maybe I'm pitching this to the rest of the team right now, but like take a look at formative moments in history that have ripple effects today. So for example, um, you know, as the only Muslim on the show, I've, you know, tried to be keenly aware of what I bring to the show in, in ways that maybe others um, might not be able to and stories that I can highlight that maybe others aren't aware of. So for example, um, soon after 9-11, um, there was a coordinated attack by the state against Muslim communities. Hundreds of thousands of Muslim families' homes were raided by the FBI in a coordinated attack um, that like in so many ways forever altered the trajectory of organizing in Muslim communities. So this was intentional intimidation of Muslims um, to to tell them to know their place in society, right? And I think, you know, even many Muslims today, like I, I was in, in high school in 9-11 and like these were many like thousands of people, absolutely in every single Muslim community, like um, many, many people's homes were raided and, and so many people that I know. Um, so I, I think in so many ways, like that affects who we are as a community today. And, and these are the stories that we wanna tell. and as a way to sort of fill out the picture of, uh, for example, one, one sector of the working class. I, th I, think that's, I think that's very right. I mean, to me, just the contribution that you brought to the team, the many stories and the relationships that you've also brought to, to the show, I think it's just so powerful to see people who are part of this collective bring that in um, and help shape this project into being what it is and, and, and telling the stories that it does and giving the platforms to the people that it does. And I think it's a real, real honor for us to do that, to be able to tell those stories. You know, Working Class Heroes, we really strive for it to be a democratic collective that is making space to train folks, to take leadership in this collective, to really shape the project, to really shape its its editorial line, even though we don't really have one. Um, but I think it's kind of there. You know, we're all like abolitionists, socialists, you know, decolonists. And I think just being able to to have a project that makes space for folks who want to who want to, you know, make it their own. I think I don't think you see that enough on the left. I think um, you know, working class heroes is. I think we really try really hard to, to, to make that uh, something possible for people to, to shape actively. We're all, we try to be accountable to each other. We try to support each other. And I think the project is, is all the better for that. So I think, you know, the more we can figure this out, the more we have uh, people who want to be a part of this and, and agree with our sort of vision and, and, and um, you know, the priorities that we have in how we want to cover stories. Um, I think, I think all the better that this, this project is going to be. Um, so definitely if that isn't my second or third, like recruitment pitch, here's my fourth one, please join working class heroes radio. Like that's how we're going to make this project, uh, impactful, successful and, and contributes to 
you know, to our communities and to the movements as much as it contributes to the individuals who are part of the collective and, and, and are learning how to do this stuff. Looking for M's like I lost a friend. Jump out of my bed like where the bread. You go hold the egg. Waiter, bring the check. When we talk, we collect the cost. Keep us in your thoughts. Really dressed at the crack of dawn. Weapons setting off. I can hear them from the block. See them creeping through the floor. Jesus, greetings. That greedy season can start. Oh my God. Look alive. Looking like I live life on a crooked line. Doing fine. You want maximum stupid. I am the guy. First of all, fuck the fucking law. We is fucking Yeah, if, if you're someone who in any way is excited about a project that is dedicated to sharing the stories of and uplifting the stories of working class people, um, yeah, we want you. <laughs> Join our team. We're, we're, uh, we're super excited and, and explicitly a show that works not just to tell their stories, but um, to, to like advance the cause of the working class, right? Absolutely, to weave in struggle, to weave social movements into social media platforms, everything. Yeah, and then I guess something that I really envision for us, like, you know, as we expand, because people listening now are definitely joining, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is that, you know, when we first thought about working class heroes overall as a collective, we, want, we were wanting it to be a multimedia uh, kind of collective. And I know I mentioned a little earlier in terms of like, I myself really love writing and reporting on that sense um, and getting those stories out there, getting quotes. And, and that's something else that I'm really looking forward to in different ways that we can use different forms of media. We have photographers, we have artists, we have musicians, we have so many people in our collective with so many different skills. And, you know, I also think, you know, it's that famous quote about, about um, if there's, what is it about the revolution having dancing? Damn it, I'm so bad with quotes about like, if you can't do no, it's, it's not a revolution. <laughs> I don't know, it's something, yeah, it's, I it's forgot, a, I'm terrible revolution, with quotes. It's something like, if the revolution doesn't have, uh, if there's no dancing in the revolution, I want no part of it, something like that. Yeah, we'll you know, that and like, I will say too, like shout out to Lupita. I know like our yeah. music is really awesome and that has a lot to do with her efforts in terms of curating um, really dope music for the show. And so again, that's another thing that um, I just really wanted to just, you know, give a shout out to, but also kind of think, I'm, I'm looking forward to different ways we can utilize different media and different skills and different talents and just be creative, right? In terms of how we tell stories and how we get people to share theirs. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for the future of this project. And I think, you know, if, if we can get more support, more people being a part of the project, uh, I'm, I'm confident that it's going to be a project that contributes to the landscape here, uh, the media landscape, the social movement landscape here in New York City, and hopefully 
you know, more broadly and maybe a little bit in DC, Khadija, you know, uh, Khadija is an honorary member. I, you know, doesn't matter if she's been in DC for 10 years. We, we tend to forget about that fact anyway. So, um, and, you know, even though we've been focused on New York city, it's, it's certainly a project that we'd love to see, you know, have a, a bigger reach across the country and, and perhaps internationally. Um, We've had a lot of listeners. Uh, it's hard to tell how many listeners we have on the radio, but just the very fact that people are calling in, I think, confirms for us that people are listening. Um, and we have a decent amount of listeners uh, that we can track at the very least through our podcast platforms. Hopefully, you know, what's we'll... the what's the wildest place that we've had listeners from? I'm really interested in this. Honestly, I think Palestine. Um, We've had like two listeners from Palestine. That's amazing. Yeah. That's most, amazing. Right. Most of our international listeners come from like, you know, the Imperial Corps, unfortunately, like Germany or even Australia sometimes. Um, but whenever we get list, I think we got listeners one time from Sudan and Algeria when they were in their revolutionary process in 2019, 2020. Um, and, and, and that was exciting for me, honestly. I, I don't know if the rest of the team is, is all that aware of where we're being you know, listen to where people are. I did not know. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That, yeah, that, that's amazing. Because again, it, it gives, I feel like we give an intimate look into working class, uh, working class folks in, in New York City. So if it's, if it's just like, you know, a, a little peak for me, I, you know, I think that's incredible that, that uh, folks in Palestine, for example, are getting to know of the struggles that we have uh, in New York. Definitely. And I think, you know, the future is bright, I think, for this show and for this this collective, and, and I'm really excited for where it is going. Um, I think that's pretty much all the time that we have. Uh, we've gone through a few questions. We don't want to belay the point any further. Um, again, you know, join Working Class Heroes if you can. Check us out at wchradio.org, uh, as well as most social media platforms. You can listen to our show on all just about all podcast platforms. So make sure to subscribe, download, give us a, a review. We'd love to hear what you think about our show. I really want to thank Khadija and Leah for being a part of this conversation um, and tune in further on for, for upcoming shows or upcoming uh, content that we release. You'll, you'll be getting more of the team and, and what we're still covering and the things that we hold close to our hearts, as well as proposals or initiatives that we want to take. But any last words you have for our listeners, y'all? Julian, thanks for convening us here today <laughs> um, on Zoom. But um, yeah, overall, I, I'm just really excited to uh, have our listeners, um, you know, reach out to us because, you know, even if you maybe you don't want to be on the show, maybe you don't have the capacity to be on the show. But if you if there's a particular story you want us to cover, we, we'd love to hear about it and, and we'd love to uh we, we'd love to know how we can better, um, yeah, but better communicate with, with our audience, with our fellow working class folks. Definitely. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to all our listeners, people who are listening now and who've been dedicated listeners. You've been so supportive. I think it's been really amazing to just um, get that support, support from people. Um, you know, the reshares about some of our tracks and stuff, like some of the episodes that we've done. And also, I just want to send my solidarity to folks wherever you are, wherever you're listening from. Thank you. And yeah, it's just sending my solidarity. 
Absolutely. So much love to our listeners, so much support and solidarity to the movements out there. If you do want to help uh, working class heroes, make sure to check out our fundraiser. Go to GoFundMe and type in working class heroes. You'll see our half completed fundraiser that, you know, we could use some more support. So make sure to give a small donation if you can or, or share the fundraiser and help us out in reaching a bigger audience, uh, help us out in any way you can. We'd really appreciate it. New York, working people across the country and the world, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, in solidarity. There's a war going on outside that nobody's safe from, but here in my arms, I'll keep you from harm. There's no guarantee tonight that we will wake up when night takes the morning. But if no alarm rings, you can count on one thing. I'll be your shelter. Told me call 911, but who do you call when the ambulances don't come? Or watch as the ones who by law to protect us, wrongfully convict us, then call the corrections. Next, they build the banks up when we in recession, and hang us in the jail cells so they can swing the elections. I walk Chicago streets where potholes is deep and Tahoes creep like TLC. Hospital workers and scrubs with no PPE, but they got money for riot gear. We dying here, yeah. You tell me not to move with my gun, but we got more funeral homes than schools where I'm from and on the news. All you view is homicides. Tell me why it ain't no trauma units when everybody traumatized. Trying to get on your feet, playing a hand they dealt you. If your house is not a home, let this song be your shelter, shelter, shelter. I'll be your shelter. Bags under the underpass, rumbling stomachs, cups jingle when hummus pass. Brisk when summer's done, winter is coming fast. And then they zoom, teach them wonder why they don't come to class. The internet been out, the hot water been out. She moved to her aunt's house, then to her friend's couch. The abuser went to jail, but that been out. Producer was in house, they closer than pen pals. Homeless in the home of the slaves, I wonder how that would feel. The manifested destiny of bunch of land they could steal. Think about Kenneth Walker and Philando Castile, how they only wanted to protect their family while it's is out here to make it worse for they folks it's a deeper how to hell for the worst of these folks it's a mystery we never heard the murder she wrote if we finally paid her back the whole earth to be broke i'll be your shelter From doing life with no possibility of parole. You playing Fortnite, that's how long you spend in a hole. Live from death row, free my Julius Jones. I had a dream that Mumia was home. I speak freedom in song. Cause
Cause all I see is racist faces Where hate lives and they kids in cages What kind of nation lynch Elijah McClan And send us to the Middle East to die for the flag They drive us insane to sell us medication We demand reparations and they tell us have patience Instead of cash payments we get minimum wages They give us the black plague then send us a white savior I found faith when I lost hope That's when Julius reminded me of a bar I wrote Behind bars on the yard where they dream of the street On death row singing we could be free We could be free I love you.